Welcome back to the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast. The Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast is your podcast source for news and discussion of the meetings and events industry. Each week, we bring you stories of new technologies, new ideas, and new directions that will directly affect all of us in the meetings and events industry. I'm your host, John Trask. I'm a CMP, a CMM, and I'm a 30-year veteran of both the audiovisual and meetings and events industry. And welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we have a special guest today. We're talking with Richard Aaron of BizBash. Hello, Richard. Good morning, good afternoon, and good day to everybody. It's uh, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Uh, we're having you specifically today because you're being honored in October by the Convention Industry Council uh, with their Hall of Leaders. And so congratulations, first off. Thank you. It is so exciting. I cannot tell you, and especially because I'll be representing the new kids on the block, ILEA, formerly ISIS, so I'm doubly thrilled. And that's, uh, that's something that hopefully we can touch on then with ILEA, because I know that's, uh, that's just a new rebranding and, uh, and something that they've, uh, that they've done because of some other world world conditions that maybe yes. had an effect on them. <laughs> it's so. a bit of a conflict in name, shall we say. Yeah, I've, and I've seen other businesses that had, uh, had challenges related to, uh, to their name just because of the way the world has shifted. And uh, it's unfortunate sometimes that something that's a positive can be corrupted or co-opted by something that's not so positive and hopefully... Uh, well, we'll talk. We'll talk more about the world as we as we get into things. I wanted to first uh, just sort of establish a little bit of your history and your background, and and what brought you to uh, to the point of being honored here uh, by ILEA and by uh, the Convention Industry Council. Well, it was a long journey, a steadfast journey that took me with zigs and zags through a lifetime of amazing friendships and industry collegiality and, and growth, because uh, when I started, there was no special event anything. And so I go back to the dark ages 40 years ago, <laughs> where there, were no, there was not one text written, there was not one course given except in food and beverage, uh, culinary. And, you know, I'm happy to say that I'm here, I think, because step by step, I helped pioneer an industry to being at the adult table, and I'm really excited to share that with you. Well, and, and uh, so when you started out in the industry, was Mallory Factor uh, your first company, or uh, is that where you began in the, in the events industry? In the events industry, yes, but I'll take you back. I'll take a couple of steps back and quickly get you to Mallory Factor. Sure. But sure. I, I was... Um, a psych and social major at a college that had a program that took put you right in law school and my father was a doctor so I went into law school because in those days it kind of did whatever your Jewish parents told you to do <laughs> and in law school I became involved with undergraduate theater and was involved in several shows and I went to New York to see Hair the musical and I had an epiphany and I said, I want to be an actor, not a lawyer. And I came back and quit law school after a semester and applied for my master's in fine arts at Brandeis University in Waltham, which was one of the top schools in the country. Brandeis, Carnegie, Milligan, and Yale were the top three in the nation for theater arts because they each had a resident company. I get accepted to Brandeis, full tuition scholarship and a stipend. So they saw something in me that I guess my parents didn't. 
So I went and got my Master of Fine Arts and happily went straight to Broadway <laughs> after a year or two was cast in Fiddler on the Roof with Zero Mostel. Oh, wow. Who was the biggest star of the day in terms of live theater, the producers, the movie, what have you. And I got my equity card and I toured with that, came into New York with it, and then went on to do Candide, which was a show how Prince redirected, not the original, that's way too old, but I did that in other shows and, and then somehow started producing my own shows, Richard Aaron and That's Entertainment, which was a Broadway review with two women, two guys, a conductor, and I worked the circuit. And the circuit was the ships, the top ships, world cruise ships, um, the Catskills, where I played five shows a night for four years, opening for stars. Uh, I was like the 20 minutes of music and fun and dancing and Broadway costume changing before your eyes in seconds. And then out came Henny Youngman or Robert Klein or any of the big stars. <laughs> and I did the circuit until my wife had a child, my first child, my son. And she said, you can't do this anymore. You cannot go off and leave me for eight weeks or six weeks. And Mallory Factor was a guy that was in PR doing events. He had the 20th largest independent public relations firm. He said, you would be great. Come work for me. And I did. I didn't sign my Catskill contract, disbanded my act, and went into events. So this was many years ago, back in the 80s, I guess, the 90s. So I was at Mallory Factors for a total of 18 years, producing events for who's who of corporate America. I literally think I produced galas, award shows, conferences, special events for Michael Dell in Austin, the chairman of GE, Every major, Sony, whatever, if they were trade shows, Michelin, I did all their events for like 10 years in a row. They hired me to come design the concepts and execute, and I did that for quite a while. Meanwhile, I started teaching at NYU because I wanted to stretch myself. So somewhere in the middle of all that, I started as a professor and have continued that for 20 years, but we'll get to that later. But I left Mallory after 18 years because David Adler, the CEO and founder of BizBash, saw me everywhere in the news because I had won two major awards, BizBash, uh, the MPI's International Planner of the Year and something else. So he came and saw me and said, I want you to work for me. I want you to come on board. I'm starting a company. It's a online resource directory for this new thing called the internet. <laughs> and of course we all laugh because this was 16 years ago. And I tell my class when I teach about the internet, and they cannot relate to the internet that is now, you know, filled with Snapchat and instant messaging and whatever. But there was a time when it was new. Yes. So we developed this portal called BizBash and um, it grew and grew, and it was started in New York City, and then we had 9-11, which stopped us cold in our tracks. But I had wonderful relationships in the industry, and I was able to mobilize a, a convention trade show at the Javits Center to heal the industry. We brought the entire industry together that fall, and people came and told stories and cried. And, and in that interim, we put together our magazine, 
and we uh, developed our first trade show. So that was how BizBash 16 years ago found its total structure, which was online, in print, and face-to-face. And I've been at this company now for 16 years, and we've seen the company go from one market to 18, to being literally the largest in the industry in terms of the number of people we connect with on social media and the number of people in the business-to-business world. We communicate with 200,000 people every week, every month. So uh, it's come a long way, and it's become the Bible for many in terms of ideas and resources for event design and production. So there's my quick history, and I'm still at BizBash, and I'm still teaching at NYU when I start teaching in two weeks, event marketing for trade shows and conferences, and I love life, and this fall will be a true highlight for me. Well, it's uh, it's breath breathtaking the uh, the variety and depth and and just interesting directions that we can go from there because it just touches on so many different different things and I I will comment sort of editorially that that's one of the fascinating things that I've found with people who've been in this industry for a while first off nobody comes in or at least in the era when you started and and I started and and many of the people we're talking about with Hall of Leaders started nobody came in from like I'm going to be in the events industry you you came in through a different door and so you end up with this wide variety of experiences and background and I can imagine that in your situation having the entertainment background of putting shows together and producing them yourself translated so directly over into making entertaining corporate meetings while you were working in that part of the world. True. And and it's absolutely the essence of a great event. And I've developed that for MPI. I taught it for five years at their conferences, from Broadway to the boardroom or the ballroom. And to show the similarities between theater and events, and I would actually point out to people the things you need to understand to do a great event or trade show or opening general session have to understand the dynamics of pacing, timing, rhythm, all the above, all the theatrical terms, understand lighting. And this year, I was a guest professor at San Diego State University and was able to bring that skill and insight, which was a happy moment for me because they have a graduate school of theater with a Master of Fine Arts, and they have a graduate program of hospitality. And I came to be a guest professor and brought them together in a session where the graduate students from each school saw the connections Hmm. as I stood on the stage and taught it and it explained why they should both know about each other because they could find work and connections and they might survive somehow by virtue of the knowledge of each other's skills. So yeah, they do cross over and I think the best event professionals come from a theater background, truly. And I've I've noticed in the in the technical world where I do most of my uh, my day job that uh, the same thing with people coming from the entertainment side uh, are just used to working in a little different way of storytelling and efficiency and such. So you know a lighting person who comes from a, a theater background or even like a rock concert background, uh, mm-hmm. a touring guy, they've got a different efficiency and different way of working. Um, when you talk about bringing these two groups together, that, that sort of a- brings me to an area that I was going to ask you about, which is, do you think that folks entering the industry now 
kind of understand our industry in the same way um, that we do? Or it, it, do they need to know more history? Uh, that was something Joan Eisenstadt and I talked about when I interviewed her, is that she felt that oftentimes people were coming into the business and not really knowing what had gone, what had gone before. Well, I, I think that's a good observation. I think there's a lot of silos, and I think that many people are not aware of the broad uh, areas of interaction between incentives versus literal conventions, conferences, trade shows, or corporate events. I think people are very siloed, and they don't understand there's so much similarity, but they're vastly different in the cultures of how you proceed to create the event. Uh, you know, and some, and and now the the real showcase of our lives is taking place in fairs and festivals. You know, as I teach this at NYU, and I just taught recently, uh, this uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was at the Canadian Association for Exhibition Managers, and I show them all the great things comes up coming out of fairs and festivals mm-hmm. because they're not in that silo. And if you look at that, and a part of what I speak when I do trends, I say, look at these six ideas. Why aren't we doing these at trade shows? And why aren't we doing these activations? And I think everything should have more crossovers and people should not just be in their silo. So I think, yeah, there's a lot to learn from each other. And I think great corporate events are stealing from weddings now, certain things. And I think the more you cross over, the better you can do for your customer and your audience. Well, then speaking of, of those six trends, do you have any, uh, any of those that you, uh, you would share with us right now? Yeah, well, you know, some of the trends that I love is the, the shaping of the activation. And because, you know, what's changed in terms of my 20 years of teaching and my more years in, in event production and design and, and, and also as a businessman, since I'm the president of our company, and direct marketing and sales and things of that nature too. But in terms of the actual event management and execution, you know, we came out of a culture that was buy and sell for the last 20 years. Everything was about buying and selling. And now the essence of a great gathering is more focused on the trend of creating a program of human interactions what a great event or meeting does is create profound human interactions. And that's what fairs and festivals do so well and corporate events do so poorly. And, and I think that if we look at how many conversations are we creating through social media activations or the types of TED Talks rather than long talking head sessions and how we build interact changes the formula and makes people engaged and this is what the millennials want they want to be engaged so we have to look at where they're taking us and events have to go to being programmers of human interactions and creating conversations not selling and telling which is the old model so that's one trend just the whole mindset of that I think is very different Um, and then the activations that are so exciting I'm seeing things like silk slings, you know, a, a room full of silk slings held f- from the ceiling attached so people can just come in and swing around in a light-infused environment for their breaks rather than go stand at a table, drink coffee. You know, no, now it's be immersed in a whole experience that's been designed to stimulate your senses and turn your brain on because then you go to the meeting and your brain is turned on. Or 
you know, so that's one example. We have pictures of all this on bizbash.com because we cover these things nightly and report them the next day. Bonnaroo, and, you know, all of the without Electric Daisy, all these, our editors go and you see this. And it's so exciting. I look at our daily news and curate things out of it for my speeches. But that's just a few examples of what I've seen change in the last decade. Well, and I've I've seen that as well coming in uh, to some of the events I've gone to, uh, an organization like IMEX, uh, where they, <laughs> I remember last year they had a meditation room. Yes. And, you know, and they're just, uh, I think that the really top-notch uh, organizations in our industry uh, that you cover there at BizBash are, are trying these new things and they're trying different directions because we're trying to keep people engaged and interested. And I think the old formats are not really relevant um, mm -hmm. to people. So um, what, what's the biggest change you see coming on the horizon? What, what are you excited about? Well, I want to look back for a minute because, you know, how did I get here? I was an ILEA founder way back in the beginning, the first president in New York was the second chapter and helped found the board and helped found the bylaws. And, and I think about how when we were starting, how limited everything was and communication was and respect was. And I think now when we look forward to where the event people are coming to, the meeting is, is better, but ILEA is now involved in the global stage. They're, they're doing things at IMEX and they're participating. But I think where it's heading is, on BizBash, we have 600 people following us in India and 2,000 people following us in China. And we're not even attempting to be in those markets. Mm -hmm. So where are we heading? We're heading to a global stage because I think, you know, we know the negative parts of the world, but I'm going to concentrate on the positive. Right. Other people's job are to deal with the negative areas. I'm going to deal with where the positives are, that our industry is going to continue to globalize. And because of sites like BizBash that's reaching the whole planet or GMIC, the green meeting industry, which I'm very involved with. I was chairman of their foundation and on their board and I'm on their board again under the aegis of CIC. Uh, they're looking to change an awareness of not just sustainability, but the ethics and the ethos of how we gather and how we do corporate social responsibility. So I see much more corporate social responsibility. Don't just do a meeting and have gorgeous drop-dead floral. Anyone can do that. But can you go to a place in Laos and fund a school or build a library or build a playground or help some major charity there so that when you leave, your incentive has done something to change the world? Well, I'm seeing that everywhere on global meetings and events. And, you know, the bigger organ, MPI has been so successful at this. IAEE is doing more PCMA. But we need more. We need the practitioners to also do more global. I want to be able to see every event that wants to donate food in the right process, not have to struggle to figure out how to do it, or flowers to a hospice, mm -hmm. not struggle. It should be so built out that I hope the future will have process. Every single city there will be a list and you can pick up the phone and say, I'm having flowers, but I want them to go to a senior center or a hospice. And can we do this? Or I'm having an event and we're going to put food away. We've ordered whatever we're going to take 5% and package it so you can pick it up. You know, this to me is where we're heading. 
And I think GMIC is going to help with that, with their sustainable vision. And I hope more corporations will do that. So the growth of corporate social responsibility must happen. And I hope we'll continue with that. Sustainability, I think the next generation is going to be much more immersed in that. Every course I have I teach has layered in it sustainability. And there's so many aspects to it. And people just need to understand it better. It's not recycling bottles. You know what I mean? Absolutely, so, yeah. So there's two areas that I'll give you just for starters. Well, and, and I know sustainability is, has become uh, – I've, I've talked to and worked with some of the green meetings industry folks in the past as well through the podcast and through different formats. And I, I know when I started, there was not even a question in the industry. Nobody talked about it at all. And now mm -hmm. it's become a conversation. And I, and I do um, – I love the CSR that you're talking about yes. and the fact that we, we can go into a place as an industry – and have an impact beyond just showing up, beyond tourism dollars, uh, that we can do something positive within the community that we're going to. So I think that that's an admirable and, and really exciting direction that I've seen the industry take as well. I agree. And it's not terribly difficult. We do it at every one of our conferences because we run these Elevate conferences that about 400 people come. And I do not put flowers out. I negotiate with my caterer to put food bowls out of produce, whether it's vegetables and onions and zucchinis or fruit, that is arranged to be the centerpiece with a sign that says, this is going to these kitchens. And we discuss it. You know, we articulate it in the luncheon. The reason you see that is because your money has helped send this to, you know. But I think it's not hard to do. It's not that people, I don't know how to do it. You know, hopefully people can talk to the caterers and do that and feel good when they leave. Just feel good that they did that. Yeah, that it, it makes me think of one of the uh, venues here in Southern California that we had an MPI meeting at where they had a, a locally uh, grown farm next mm -hmm. to the hotel. And so the chef came out and talked about the menu and actually pointed out the things that had been grown adjacent to the property that were being served at the lunch. And, and it had an impact, because obviously I still remember that a few years later, uh, of what a nice feeling that was to be able to think, well, I went to this meeting, but I also, you know, had a positive impact on the world. Absolutely, you know, and I think you asked me at the very beginning, why do you think you've taken this journey to be honored in the Convention Industry Hall of Leaders? And I think it's because without consciously focusing it. I've always thought about how can I help, how can I make a difference, and I've chaired four foundations in the industry, some which were for scholarship, the Special Event Industry Foundation, or the Search Foundation, which I was the founding chair of, which broke ground and celebrating its 20th anniversary, and the entire thing was to help people who were ill within our industry, you know, anonymously, mm -hmm. and we've raised money by doing these cabarets and singing and dancing, where my Broadway stuff came in, but it became a part of the culture. And all these years later, we've helped hundreds of people that couldn't even get to therapy or, you know, had other problems and we just took care of it for them and donated it. So, you know, I, I think just doing these things as they came in my life to, to be the Search Foundation, the Special Event Education Foundation, the MPI Foundation, and most recently the you know Green Meeting Industry Foundation, to have chaired four foundations is an honor I've had that I can say 
I made a difference without thinking about it, just jumping in and doing what I felt had to happen. And that was a small part of it. But, you know, it's just you must let your heart lead you. You know, looking back at it all now, I never thought I would do all that. But it, it came naturally and it felt right and it felt good. So I hope people will pursue the things that they can get out of the everyday stuff and help bigger ideas develop and, and look at the legacy. Because uh, it's very rewarding. It really is. Well, and I, I have to say that I think it's been just a common thread with each of the uh, Hall of Leaders inductees that I've uh, talked to about the honor is that all of them have been very service-oriented, very community-oriented, very excited about what they've been able to give back to the industry, to the world, to to pe the people around them. And, and I think that's just become a recurring theme about the uh, the core and the quality of people who are being honored with this uh, with this award. Well, I, I feel amazingly happy to be amongst all these people because they're all people I know well, and you know, without naming all their names, I've worked with each and every one of them in different industries and capacities. They're they're such wonderful, exceptional people. So, and you know, Carol in specific was the dean of the MPI Foundation, the MPI Education for years, and I always taught under her because she always said, you have to come and teach the events of the event marketing. But she, you know, they all did stuff. I'm gonna, I don't want to get into naming names, but everyone has done so much, no salary, just for love, love of the organizations and the community. And we just love being together doing it. Well, I think, uh, I think it's just a, a wonderful uh, thing that you're all being recognized, and I hope that uh, the folks listening will uh, take time, if they're going to be in Las Vegas during IMEX, to uh, come to the dinner and, uh, and see everyone in person and uh, meet you all and, and just be able to say congratulations and thank you in person. Well, I think it's going to be a fun event because it's, uh, they, they have Lenny from the MGM uh, organization who's producing it, who I just saw recently, and he said he's got a lot of fun stuff up his sleeve, and it's not going to be a stodgy old dinner because there's a huge cocktail hour, then the awards, and there's a huge like after party. And he said there'll be lots of surprises. So I'm very excited. I'm, I'm, I'm inviting my colleagues at NYU and other parts of the industry, so I hope they can all find their way to, to join the fun of the night. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and, uh, and looking forward to uh, seeing you there in person and being able to say uh, thank you and shake your hand. John, it's been a lot of fun. I can't believe the half hour has flown. I know. It's uh, just amazing. It's talk about teaching and all the mentoring, which is the greatest reward in the world. I encourage everyone to teach. There's nothing like going out in industry and seeing students that you've helped find their way or encourage come up and tell you, how they love what they're doing and you touch their lives. So mentor, mentor, mentor. It's the greatest reward in the world. Uh, that's, that's just the perfect message, I think, to, uh, to wrap up on because it is so important and it is so rewarding. And I agree, I would encourage everyone to uh, follow your lead and mentor and teach and help people come along within the industry. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, John. It was great. See you soon. All right. We'll talk to you next time. And thank you for listening. This has been the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast, your podcast source for news and discussions of the meetings and events industry. 
You can find out more about Strategic Meeting Tech at our website, www.strategicmeetingtech.com. There you'll find resources and information about how we help planners to create better audiovisual and technology outcomes at their events. Our music is provided by Steph Sachs, under license from the Creative Commons, and you can find out more information and links to the artists there on our website as well. Please send any comments or show suggestions to John, J-O-N, at strategicmeetingtech.com. Thanks for listening.